Come on. The strong, the powerful Michael Seaver has returned to Money Savage. Welcome back, Michael. Thank you so much, George, for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited to have you back on. Michael is a leadership coach, he's a speaker, and he's the author of the new book, I Know, A Practical Guide for Awakening to What's Within and Finding Work-Life Integration. Getting excited to have you back on, Michael. Tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Yeah, man. Thank you. Uh, personally, I'm stepdad to a uh, beautiful daughter, uh, Aaliyah, and Uncle Mike to Avery and Austin, who live in Michigan. And I'm uh, Tiffany's life partner. Um, you know, 2020 was a blessing in many ways, and that afforded me time to significantly improve my golf game. So I'm thankful for that. <laughs> right on. But professionally, <laughs> professionally, I get to I get to be a speaker. I get to be a consultant. I get to be a coach. If you visit michaelsiever.com, you'll see 200 plus blogs, and you'll see some media features, online courses, lots of video content there on the website and uh, on my YouTube channel. And you know, really, my personal mission is to unlock human potential. And it kind of is born out of when I was a kid, uh, I was a robot in my family's landscaping and lawn maintenance business in Michigan. And it always was a, a struggle for me. So I promised myself that as I aged and got older, that I would help others live authentically and live up to their potential as much as I possibly could. And and like you said a second ago, my, my newest book just came out January 1st, 2021. And it really is a culmination of my life's work thus far because it tells a lot of raw pieces of my life story, lots of psychological research, many real-world client stories from folks that I've helped across the globe, and and even put in some predictions for what I think the world's about to become throughout 2021, 2022. And the book is organized in you know kind of three phases of change, and there's nine processes that you can utilize in the book to end and let go of some of the stuff that you've been holding on to from the past, it kind of helps you sit into a, a neutral zone of discovery and then launches you into a place of new beginnings. And so um, as hard as 2020 was for some of us, it ended up being a blessing for me in some ways. And for that, I'm grateful. Okay. Well, amen. Did you refer to yourself as a robot in in in, in, in your parents' landscaping <laughs> business? <laughs> <laughs> I can't tell you how many shovels of dirt and uh, how many <laughs> blades of grass that I cut. It, uh, you know, it it was a, a metaphorical equivalent of being a robot. Um, and at some point in the, the near future, maybe humans will actually have robots that cut grass and shovel dirt. Um, but that was my life from age twelve until twenty four. Man, just pushing a mower, doing the weed whacker, doing it over and over again. That is very robotic. Uh, yeah. It was really robotic, really monotonous, and and uh, it kind of just took life right out of my soul. I, like, <laughs> I, I got to do something different than this. So <laughs> perfect. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Money Alignment Academy. If you are looking for a financial wellness platform for your company, your organization, and your employees, check out moneyalignmentacademy.com or click on the link in the notes of the show. So what's, uh, I, I, I know you've got so much on, on, on your plate writing the book. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in hearing about that and the process of just putting it all together and then putting it out in the world. I imagine is, is, is like giving birth to a child in, in figuratively in a lot of ways, but what's, 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 what's top of mind? Yeah, I think, 
you know, when going through the process of writing the book, I think the thing that was really motivating and driving me was the the division in society or the the blame that we see one person kind of cast on another or the the dis-ease that we see, right? And so uh, when I was doing some research for the book and I found some data from August of 2020 that came from the Nielsen Total Audience Report, and it said that on average, Americans watch 12 hours of TV each day. And I think the thing that really was top of mind for me is that I was like, gosh, like, what is the psychological impact of watching TV and a specific narrative day after day after day after day? And so I had done some research into something called the mere exposure effect and another thing called the halo effect, another thing called the horn effect to try to understand what is it that watching TV for that long period of time, what does it actually do to the human brain? And what it really does is it it kind of uh, forces us to believe in or like a specific narrative, even if that narrative isn't true. And so I really believe that we're on the cusp of a radically different society. And that's kind of the reason why I wrote I Know was to bring some of that stuff to light and to help people ask different questions or take new perspectives. And so I hope through the book that people can start to do that for themselves. Americans watch 12 hours of TV a day? Per day, brother. And I'm thinking about that 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 old uh, drug infomercial where the guy's like, "This is your brain. This is your brain on drugs." Any questions? Where he cracks the egg into the frying pan. That's sort of got it. Got to be <laughs> sort of like perfect, that. Perfect metaphor. It, um, you know, it, and that's that was at home. That was not screen time at work. No, that was legit, honest, separate from work. People watch 12 hours of television a day. And so that to me was a really telling statistic about what kind of information do we take in and how does it shape our opinion of the world around us? So it's just, uh, it was striking to me. I was like, I had to take a step back and say, okay, what's the real effect of this? And so with all the disease and the division that we see in society, I think that that's part of it. Well, it has to be a huge part of it. And you mentioned that you see it going in a certain direction. Tell me about that. Yeah, society, it, I think, you know, the, the NASA calls this the procession of the equinoxes. And what that means is, is that every 2,165 years, Earth's magnetic poles actually shift a little bit. And some astrologists would say that uh, pre-2020, we were in something called the age of Pisces. And so that in December 2020, Earth, through that magnetic shift, moved into something called the age of Aquarius be a really interesting shift for society because if what I'm reading on NASA's website or from some of these astrologists is accurate and correct, the age of Pisces was very much built upon, I believe in something external to myself. I believe in this celebrity. I believe in this athlete. I believe in this politician and that they have answers that uh, will solve my problems. But I think we're moving into the age of Aquarius, which again, if the astrologers are correct, that it's an age of decentralized information. It's an age of every single person on the planet knowing that the answers are inside themselves. So the next couple of years, what I believe is going to happen is we're going to see a radical decentralization of information and of power. And it's going to be hard at the beginning, but the outcome will be really beautiful because I really believe in individual sovereignty of every person. And I believe that this is the chance that we're all going to have to move into that sovereignty for ourselves, right? To be able to make choice for ourselves, to be able to impact the world that we want to in our own way for ourselves. So fingers crossed my hunches about this are correct. 
will that happen just on its own, do you think? You know, it's it's kind of already in motion. You know, I think, you know, there was, um, I've read information about this in the 1960s, 1970s, and 1980s. So it's a gradual transition. And there's a lot of different things, I think, that are causing it to occur. Uh, it's not going to be something that happens overnight. I think, you know, it's not really fully going to wrap up and become commonplace until about 2030. So we've got time for it to kind of manifest and, and really truly change our lives. And when I, 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 I meant specifically, is that just going to happen for the individual or do we need to be seeking it? So it, the, great question. And I really believe that uh, as more news comes out about what was really happening on earth in the age of Pisces, people will have choice. They will have choice to believe what it is that they want to believe. So they will then have to make a choice to walk into the new future. Uh, and that's their choice. They don't have to. They can continue to believe kind of old patterns of thought or old belief structures and systems, or they can make a conscious choice to be able to move into what, what I believe is coming. And that's why I wrote the book, right? Because it's a series of nine processes that anybody can go through to go from believing something external to themselves to believing that they have the answers inside themselves. Now, I 100% want that for myself and for my loved ones. If somebody's sure. watching 12 hours of TV a day, and this is an impossible question, but does that person want that for themselves? At this time, likely no. Um, you know, and so there's, I have some blog posts on my website that talk about, you know, cognitive bias and, and how the media, you know, kind of contributes to that. And so as of this point, you know, your question's a good one because the answer is probably not, right? Because the society that they live in currently is safe to them. It's known to them. It feels comfortable to them. So they're going to have to be shaken or awakened in some way. And then after that occurs, after there's that significant awareness or emotional loss, then all of a sudden they can start to move, move into a place of creating what's coming, you know, creating what's what's new for them. So it could take something like a global pandemic or or a, a crowd of crazy people marching on the on 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 the national capital. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, those events are definitely shocking for many people. And so people will as a result of, you know, these circumstances in society, they will start to question life. I was on the phone yesterday with a director of human resources and she said that she's struggling enormously to be able to find top talent for her business. And and, and that, you know, it's just society is going through this where people are so scared to make change, right? They're just staying in their jobs. They're just finding a way to stay still. They're not making really big changes because they don't know what's happening in society. And the impact on this particular woman and her organization is, is that their, their income, their top line revenue is basically limited because they, they've capped out their staff. They can't find new people that would really help them grow and become the business that they've been wanting to. So I think that that's, you know, kind of uh, emblematic of what we're seeing in many other businesses across the world. Yeah. It, it, it's fascinating that, that everything that you described of decentralization and people going from outside for truth to, to, to going back inside and really seeking seeking that what is true for them um, is a process that I, I've, I feel like I've probably been going through it for my entire life, but just been super focused on it. Probably the last six months, 
um, sure. and really like looking for the tools. And, and I stumbled upon this idea of first principle thinking, and it was sort mm. of embarrassing that I'd never heard of it before. But that, that to a degree, get, gives me a framework for, for thinking about problems or, or whatever. Uh, so I think that when you're talking about giving people the tools to be able to go through this process, um, it's so valuable because otherwise we're maybe feeling this way because of what's happening. You know, you're talking about the possession of the equinox, the age of Aquarius, whatever we want to call it. Mm-hmm. Something is probably changing. So people just need the right tool. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. I think that when the, when the student is ready, the teacher appears, mm-hmm. right. Or vice versa. And so that I think is a, a true euphemism for most everything that happens is that for the people who um, are meant to interact with my book and the processes in it, it'll get shown to them somehow and they will make a conscious choice to read it or whatever the tool is for them. And so it, that's how it always works, right? There was some great books over the last couple of years that I read that I felt the same way, George. I was wondering why I hadn't been exposed to the book five or six years earlier. And it's just, you know, whatever was happening in my life, I wasn't quite ready for it yet. But after I was able to read the book from a place of true acceptance, I really was able to absorb the message differently. So I think all things happen in really good timing. Uh, It's just being patient and waiting for some of those things to roll out the way they're supposed to. Right. Yeah, I appreciate that. So when you talk about three phases of transformation, what are those phases? Sure. And so this is kind of built upon um, William Bridges and his model of transition. And so the three phases are number one, ending and letting go, right? Some facet of their life. Phase two is being in an, an emotional neutral zone, which is uh, having the opportunity to just reflect and think and just experiment and kind of plan for the future. And the third phase is new beginnings, right, is where you've chosen a course of action and you're consciously moving forward towards some purposely designed future. So the way that I constructed the book was in three sections and in each of those three sections that I just kind of t- described through the phases, there are three chapters that help people through each of those phases. So then as they read the book, as they do the work, as they uh, release some of the past, they can consciously move forward into a future that they've designed, not that someone else has designed for them. Nice. I think that sounds like a great framework. How, how does one, I, I, I guess, as, as we are recognizing that patience is required, and we are tracking our progress. Um, sometimes it feels like 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 we're not making any progress. It can be frustrating. This is obviously a phenomenon that, that you're familiar with because you're a human being also. So how do you counsel and, and, and coach people to sort of stay true to, to sticking to what they know to be the right things? Yeah, I, I think it really comes down to um, someone investing the time to know clearly what their personal mission is or their natural communication preferences or what motivates them or their core values or their strengths right in the in the workplace uh, or their value proposition right what is it that they do that's different than other people around them and so in the book i talk about different decision making criteria that are based on those things right so people in the book go through discover those things about themselves And then when they get into chapters five and six, there are decision-making criteria that help them to choose where to invest time based on missions and values and motivators and things like that. So sometimes it's people can do it on their own. Sometimes people need an accountability partner. Sometimes they need 
pictures up on the mirror in their bathroom, right? Everybody does it differently. I've had clients who have worn specific pieces of jewelry, and that was the thing that kept them focused on their mission. So each of us will do it differently, but you have to be clear on what it is that you're striving for. What is the decision-making criteria? And then how do you have something around you that constantly reminds you of that so that when you get into those tough emotional situations, you make choices that are continually in alignment with what you're trying to do, not with something from your past. So you 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 get down and that's that's is is that what those nine processes are is really giving people direct I don't know if direct is the right term but you just gave some really concrete examples of of how you want people to be to be interacting with time and and activities and things like that. Absolutely. Yeah, it see this is the thing about my work as a coach, right? I've been I've been managing teams of people for 25 years and I've been coaching people directly for 10. And it always comes down to a person's daily habits and rituals and routines. Without some sense of consistency in that, the probability of change is much, much less likely. And so not only do we need to set this uh, kind of vision for ourselves, but then the thing that actually facilitates the change are the habits that we do every single day. And so I'm very clear in the book about making sure that people focus in on those habits and those routines because without them, it just becomes an afterthought, right? People go back to doing things the way that they're so accustomed to doing them. Right. Because it's comfortable or whatever. It's just the way that we've always done things. Sure. Nice. Well, I think that that sounds obviously extremely useful um, and which is why you wrote the book. Yeah, of course. Yeah. (laughs) Because because we truly do need frameworks and everything you're talking about, uh, you know, we're taking in so much information. And if people are watching TV for 12 hours a day, I doubt very much that they have time to listen to this podcast. So it's probably not a lot of those folks. But I think that we all recognize and are frustrated by um, maybe having sometimes that lack of yeah, I've 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 got goals that I'm working towards and things that I really want for myself, but don't necessarily have that framework. So, yeah, yeah, yeah that's extremely valuable. Well, Michael, Savage Nation is ready for your difference making tip. What do you have for them? Yeah, we think back to the March 11th, 2020 episode that uh, George and I uh, put out. It was entitled "Your Core Values." So, my difference making tip is. Please listen to that episode of the Money Savage podcast. And after you've listened to it, I want you to go to thepeakfleet.com. And they have core values cards or an online core values activity that you can complete for yourself. So if you buy the cards or do the online activity, I then want you to brainstorm as many ways as possible that you can live your core values more day to day. Right. So in living our core values, right, we're finding a way to really, truly align with our authentic self and not be a robot in our parents business and to really show up in the age of Aquarius in a way that allows for us to really, truly love life. So know your core values, live them. Well, I think that that is great stuff that definitely gets it. Come on. Come on. Nice, Michael. Referencing back to past episode. I love it. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming back on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you and where can they get a copy of I Know? Yeah, thank you, George. So best place to learn about me and my content, my ideas, michaelsseaver.com. Two S's there in the middle. My middle name is Scott, so michaelsseaver.com. 
and the book is available in print, ebook, and audiobook. So you'll probably find it on Amazon's website, Barnes and Noble, uh, Apple Books, or Google Android Play. Any of those places would be great to be able to uh, learn a little bit more about yourself. Love it. Well, Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Michael your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Go to michaelssever.com, M-I-C-H-A-E-L-S-S-E-A-V-E-R.com. Check out all the great stuff Michael's got on the site. And then pick up a copy of I Know, a Practical Guide for Awakening to What's Within and Finding Work-Life Integration wherever fine books are sold or listen to it. Thanks again, Michael. It is my pleasure. Thank you, George. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight as we are all in this together.